Hello and welcome to the MB Om podcast, where you will learn to master the business of yoga with guests from around the world who have experienced becoming successful yoga teachers, studio owners, and much more. Now, here's your host, Amanda Kingsmith. Hey everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the MBOM podcast. I am so excited for today's episode of the show because I am doing a massive, massive celebration. MBOM turned three on Friday, February 1st, 2019. And originally, I didn't really even realize I had a different episode scheduled for you know, my production for this week. And then I decided, you know what, I want to celebrate this. Something that I've been focusing more on over the last month of 2019 or the first month of 2019, you could say, is just celebrating the little wins. And if you've been doing something for for a long time in your life, like if you've been married for 10 years or in a job for like 10 or 15, maybe three years doesn't feel so big. But, you know, for me, three years of this podcast feels really, really incredible. And I think that if I could go back in time and tell Amanda from February 1st, 2015, in three years, this is where you're going to be with this podcast, I think I would be pretty damn happy. So what I want to do on today's episode is talk a little bit about you know, where I've come over the last three years, where this podcast has come and this community has come, some of the the stats for the podcast, some of the learnings that I've had from guests, highlights, favorite episodes, maybe some challenges or lowlights, and then what's next for the show. And one of the things I kind of debated with this was, you know, I just did a 2018 year in review a month ago. You guys know a lot about what happened in the last month if you listened to that episode. But this is much bigger than that. This is the last three years. And this is kind of looking at like what the intention for the podcast was then, what it is now and and how far it's come over, over the last couple of years. So I want to start by just laying out a couple of stats for you. So this episode is going to be episode number 134. I have had 111 guests on the podcast so far, and I've actually got 13 more episodes recorded that you guys will hear over the next three months. So what is that? 124 guests, which is just incredible. It means I've made 124 new yoga teacher friends or yoga business coach friends, and they've all been people who have instilled a ton of wisdom, not just for you guys listening, but also for me. This podcast has been a massive, massive, massive place where I do learning. And I think that when I first started, I just thought, like, let's get through a season. Let's see how I feel at the end of a season. I didn't know how long that was going to be. I figured I would just kind of let it play out. And so Basically what happened that kind of made me wrap up season one is I started the podcast in Atlanta, Georgia, and then I traveled home to Canada. I did kind of like a three-week road trip with my partner, Ryan, and I got home and I started back working at Lululemon where I'd worked before I had moved, and I was just really, really busy and I had all these episodes or or guests scheduled to do episodes. And I remember I had a week where everyone just canceled for some reason. I had like a time zone mix up and then had this, this issue with 
you know, somebody who needed to reschedule and then somebody who's like, you know, it's actually not the right time for me to do a podcast. And when you're new at doing something like this, like you're kind of really trying to sell people on coming on your podcast. Like it's not something that they've heard of. It's not something that they're necessarily like even that stoked about. And I think that even three years ago, there was a lot of people who would hop on a call with me and say, yeah, I'm interested in doing this, but sorry, can you tell me like what exactly I'm doing this for? And they would just not really understand what a podcast was, where to get it, how to share it. And so I remember kind of coming to this point where I was like, I feel like this is becoming really challenging and I'm really busy. Like, let's just kind of like wrap it up for the season. We'll end really strong. I had some really awesome guests kind of, kind of end that season. And then I took a little bit of break of a break for the summer. I regrouped. I got really strategic about inviting people on the show and backlogging a bunch of episodes before I actually launched season two of the podcast, which I did in the fall of 2016 from Asia. I felt like I launched season two really strong with some just really, really incredible episodes that I'd recorded. And I felt really really good about season two. I did it pretty much the entire, I guess, eight months that I was over in Asia. I talked to some really incredible people. I overcame time zone issues and Wi-Fi challenges and all that stuff. And then once again, I came home for summer and I pretty much timed it so that it would be exactly... I think 32 episodes in each season. And again, I was stepping into a new role, uh, taking on more at the studio that I've worked for for a couple of years, teaching more. And I just felt like, you know, I want to continue doing this season thing. And so I launched season three of the podcast a couple months later, took the summer off, again, recorded some really awesome episodes. I felt like, okay, I've kind of like got this podcast thing down. Like I understand like the flow of backlogging episodes, inviting guests on, how to pitch them. My podcast was becoming more popular at that point. So it was becoming less challenging to actually invite people on. And so the fall of 2017, I kicked off season three. And if you've been listening since then, you would know that we never ended season three. And now, you know, it's February of 2019. And basically a couple of things happened. So one, I had this shift happen where it went from me inviting every single person who was coming on the podcast on to people pitching me to come on. And this was a really, really interesting shift for me because I don't think it was anything I ever expected. I never was like, oh, I deserve to have people, you know, pitch me on coming on the podcast. It was just this thing that started happening organically. And all of a sudden I realized that I was doing a ton of interviews And then on top of that, I started getting pitched for podcast sponsors and I was like, okay, well, if I've got the blend of money coming in and I've also got a ton of guests lined up and a lot of episodes backlogged, then why on earth would I stop this thing? Like it kind of seems like it's working, so I don't really need a break. And instead, what I've done is I've taken shorter little breaks that kind of give me a chance to just relax and regroup. So taking a couple weeks over Christmas, taking something like Canadian Thanksgiving, taking, you know, Canada Day, 4th of July, and just just giving myself those kind of little breaks. I've also started working with a podcast producer who assists me with 
you know, a number of the episodes, which just takes like the workload off of my back because I'm not going to lie. One of the most challenging things about being a podcast host is actually producing the episodes. I love doing interviews. I could do interviews all day, every day. It's my favorite thing that I get to do. I feel like I have like the best job in the world, but then there's this kind of administrative side of actually sitting down and putting the episode together and making it sound awesome for you guys and writing show notes about it and uploading it. And that's kind of the side of it that I don't necessarily love that I sort of procrastinate a little bit more. So having a bit of assistance with that over the last, I guess, like six months has been, has been really, really awesome. And so, you know, kind of wrapping up the the stats side of it with some actual like tangible numbers. So my download started at, I think I remember hitting like 500 in the first month or something and feeling so, so elated and then getting up to 1500 and I was like, oh my gosh, people are listening. And something that's been really cool about MBOM is that I felt like it grew kind of really slowly in the first like year and a half. And then all of a sudden I just saw this gigantic spike. I have no idea what happened. I don't know if it was just more yoga podcasts or yoga teachers getting more like turned on to podcasts or just, you know, being in the career section, being in the top 200, being featured in new and noteworthy and people actually seeing me. I don't know what it was, maybe a combination of all of that, but all of a sudden it just happened that my download started doubling and my downloads basically doubled for probably like six to six months to a year and they're they're not doubling at the moment because I've reached you know a pretty significant amount of downloads per month where I feel like in order to double I'd have to be really getting a ton more people but I'm still getting a ton more downloads each month and really that's thanks to you guys it's because you guys listen to something you like and you take your friends on Instagram or Facebook or you share my posts with your friends or you're just talking to your yoga teacher friends and you tell them about the podcast. Um, word of mouth has probably been the biggest way that the podcast has grown and it's really cool to be able to look at my monthly downloads and see like three years ago I was stoked on 500 downloads and now it's like I celebrate like 10,000 downloads a month and I have hundreds of thousands of total downloads. So it's just really cool to see to see the growth. And looking back on, you know, three years ago, my intention with MBOM was to learn. It was to talk to yoga teachers that were successful in the yoga industry, the yoga space, and to learn about what they were doing. I felt like when I became a yoga teacher, I was not taught what I needed to know to actually have a career as a yoga teacher. So I came home from my teacher training in Bali and I was like, yeah, cool, I wanna teach, but you know, how do I actually get myself in front of these students? And I just felt like it was so freaking hard. And I saw these people around me being successful. I had attended you know, festivals like Wanderlust and gone on yoga retreats. And I was like, people are doing this thing and I wanna know how to do that. And so that's really where MBOM was born. It was like, let's talk to these people who are successful and find out how they're doing it. Not just so that I can advance my career, but also so other yoga teachers can too. And I feel like, you know, we've talked to so many people on the podcast now, and it's been really, really incredible to be able to hear people's stories. I've talked to people all over the world doing a variety of different things, you know, people leading 
donation classes, people teaching in hospitals, people teaching in yoga studios full time, people who own yoga studios, people who own, you know, some sort of twist on a yoga studio, like a fitness space or something that's more of a blend, people creating their own brands, people building communities with apparel lines, you know, people are doing so much interesting stuff. And I think that probably my biggest learning from the podcast has been that there's no one right way to be a successful yoga teacher. We kind of learn that the best way to be a yoga teacher or the way to be a yoga teacher is to step into the studio and get in front of students. And I think that that's a fantastic way to start teaching. I think it's a fantastic career to have if that's what excites you. But I think that if you're somebody who feels like this isn't quite right or this isn't working for me, there's so many ways to create a niche, build a community, start teaching. It's just amazing how many you know places and people are offering yoga in in a variety of alternative ways i guess you could say and so on top of that major sort of learning with the podcast there's a couple of other you know learnings that kind of stick out to me over the last 3 years and one of them was talking to Kate Canal Potts in season 1 And she said, you know, say yes to find your no. And this is one of the tips that I give people now when I work with them one-on-one. It's, you know, say yes to opportunities that you're not really sure about, especially when you're new, because that's your opportunity to discover what you like and what you don't like. And I think that even as a new yoga teacher, if you have sort of a vision for your career, you might not necessarily know who your niche is, who your target market is, what exactly you like doing. I really feel like the only way that we can discover the things that we like doing is to actually try them. And this was you know, such, such a great tip to hear. And it's something that I, you know, continue to apply in my career, not just with yoga, but also, you know, with my yoga business. And as a freelancer, it's okay. Maybe this opportunity is a little outside of what I would normally do, but it's something that excites me and it's something that I want to try. And then if you try it and you're like, oh crap, I'm not very good at that. I don't really like that. That market doesn't really sit with me. That's your opportunity to kind of put that in the no pile. But I feel like we don't really 100% know those no's unless we we say yes first. Another learning that sticks out to me comes from Danielle Joseph, who is the founder of Function Creative. And she's actually a web designer and a brand expert. And we did a really fun episode on branding. She's also a yoga teacher, so she definitely understands the yoga space. And one of her business tips was to have boss days, she calls them. And those are days where you kind of work on things kind of like in your business instead of on your business. And so the differentiation between in your business and on your business is on your business is like the day-to-day things like checking your email and, you know, keeping everything afloat. Maybe for me, it'd be things like scheduling podcast interviews, editing episodes, creating newsletter content, but actually working like in your business is thinking about the bigger picture, like things that are kind of going to kind of like get it out there more. So for example, that might be, you know, creating a series of Pinterest graphics and sharing those and getting your blog posts out more or spending some time strategizing how you're going to increase your marketing efforts or your SEO. And 
I feel like this is a really great tip because I think that we spend a lot of our time in our busy lives kind of just making sure that nothing is failing, nothing is sinking, nothing crazy is going to happen. And it's really important to spend that time kind of diving deeper into the bigger picture of things, especially if you're more of a solopreneur or you just have a really small team, Um, especially working by yourself. I feel like it's really easy to kind of get lost in the weeds and not actually spend the time looking at like, okay, what does the next year look like? What are some projects I want to work on to grow? It's always consistently about maintaining. So that's a tip that I really took away with me that I've applied in my business that I find both challenging and really, really impactful. A couple of other things that have been really important for me have been my episodes on retreats. I've done episodes on retreats with Carolyn McPherson, uh, Julie Zuzak, Paloma Newman, and all of them have said, you know, really, really similar things where when you're planning retreats, you need to kind of do a backwards budget. You always need to make sure you pay yourself and you need to give yourself time. I think that that's been one of the biggest learnings in my personal life and something that I've really thought about as I've gone down the path of of hosting my own yoga retreats. It's really scary to put money out for something. It's really scary to put yourself out there. And I think that you have to be really smart with prices and with uh, timing for things. If you're only giving people, you know, one to four months to book something that's going to be $1,800, it's just not going to be enough time for them to plan unless you're, you know, massive, like unless you're yoga girl or, or something like that. But I think for most of us, like our people aren't, you know, just willing to drop that much cash because it's going to be like such a big thing. So I think giving yourself that time is is really important and a learning that I've really taken away from all of my episodes with retreat leaders and people who specialize in retreats. I've also learned a ton from my more international yoga teachers, Lauren Ruddick, Britta Byers, the Yoga Nomads. There's so many ways that you can teach and travel or that you can use travel as a means for teaching or teaching as a means for travel. And that stuff really comes from just putting yourself out there and reaching out to the communities that you're in. And for me, this has always been something that's been really, really scary is approaching a yoga studio that's in a different country with maybe different cultures. Maybe they speak a different language and being like, hey, I'm a teacher. Can I teach? But I think that this is such a massive thing for us as yoga teachers. Like if we want to teach, we need to go out there and we need to ask for what we want and we need to communicate with people about what we want and and showcase our skills for them. And I think that every single time I talk to somebody who's making the international traveling teacher thing work, it's just really, really inspiring. And it's definitely inspired me to kind of step up my game over the last couple of years in terms of my own traveling and teaching and you know, it's really not that hard to actually get clients online or in places that you're in, especially if you're there for a while. And it's really not that scary to approach studio owners. Like the worst they're going to say is no, that that's the simple fact of it. And I think that that's also a lesson to kind of carry through regardless of where you are in the world. Like if you're feeling nervous to go and talk to a studio owner or to put yourself out there, like the worst that they will say is no. That that's really the reality of it. And I think that, you know, having moved around quite a bit over the last couple of years as a yoga teacher, I, I feel like most people don't say no. It's it's usually 
let's get to know each other or come take a class here or let's do a demo or some of your resume. It's never just like a flat, like, no, I'm not interested in you. So I feel like that's a good reminder for yoga teachers out there, especially my newer yoga teachers. And so I could go on for hours and hours about all the amazing things that I've learned Uh, But I want to dive into some of the highlights of MBOM and some of my favorite episodes that I've done. And so, you know, starting right from the beginning, my very first episode, so not my episode zero, which is a quick intro about MBOM, but my actual first episode with Jeff Ma, who is the owner of the Yoga Lounge in Kenmore, Alberta, is still my most popular, most downloaded episode. I don't know if that's because it's episode one and people want to start from the beginning or it's because it's like two hours long or if it's because it's Jeff. Uh, But I think that the combination of it is just pretty amazing. And this was a really, really awesome episode for me because I had worked for Jeff for about a year at the point that I interviewed him. And It's really weird when you start a podcast and it's not live and you have no like download stats or anything to share with people and you're like, hey, will you come on my podcast? And they're like, oh, okay. But, you know, Jeff knew me and I knew him and he was so supportive right from the get go. He was like, yeah, man, whatever you need, like I've got you, I'm here. And we hopped on a call pretty late one night. He was at the yoga studio and I was in Eastern Standard Time, two hours ahead. And I remember recording, you know, just well into the night. Like I think it was like one or 2 a.m. by the time I got off the call. But I just felt like I was on cloud nine. Like I'd had this really amazing conversation. And I think that was the first point where I was like, man, like being a podcast host is so freaking awesome. And since I already have had a travel podcast and do have a travel podcast, I already knew that. But I think that there's something really amazing about doing it on your own and really being like the leader of that interview. And It was also really cool to interview this person that I worked with and hear the story that I'd never heard before. There was so much of Jeff's story that I just didn't know about. I think it's really easy that when you know somebody in a certain context, you see them a certain way and you don't think of them any other way. And so I met Jeff when he was a Lululemon ambassador. He was a yoga studio owner and I attended his class and immediately I was like, this dude is amazing. Like he is a really, really awesome teacher. And on top of that, I felt like the entire studio and all the people there felt the same way. It's just this really incredible community. People love the class. People were excited. And it's something that's really contagious that you can easily get caught up in. And so I just saw Jeff as this sort of like figure of success in the yoga space. And it was really interesting to hear that, you know, he had been studying for med school after already being an engineer. And he was getting a lot of pressure from his parents to, you know, kind of accelerate his career when really all he wanted to do was to dive into teaching yoga and movement. And that was something he really liked. And I think for a lot of us who decide to do something different, it can be really hard and really scary to be able to tell your family that you're going to make a change. I know for me when I was like 25 and I was like, I'm not doing corporate anymore. I'm going to work retail and then I'm going to get my yoga teacher training. My family was like, say what? So I think that it, it, it can be really hard for a lot of us. And it was just amazing to hear his story and hear how he overcame that and was still really successful. So 
I think if anyone out there is struggling with friends, family, maybe even your own inner sort of self-worth or value, just remember that, you know, if you follow the things that you want to do, you're going to end up in the place that you want to be. And that's, that's a really important thing to remember. Uh, Another interview that stands out for me is the interview that I did with Taylor Harkness, and I put that interview out right at the end of season one, and Taylor Harkness was like the biggest in terms of most popular uh, yoga teacher that I interviewed at that point, and the fact that he said yes to me when I was such a brand new teacher was really, really, really incredible. I remember we hopped on a call the day before and we kind of went over everything and I was like, man, he's so cool. And then we hopped on the next day and actually recorded and it was just a fun, lighthearted conversation. And I think that that was a really good reminder for me that even popular yoga teachers are just humans and they just want to be treated like humans. And yeah, I think it was just one amazing that he said yes two really awesome to talk to him and I think it also kind of gave me some confidence with the podcast similarly I talked to Kate Canal Potts at the end of season one and she's not doing her yoga business as much anymore she kind of shut down her business but she had a massive massive private community and and chatting with her was also really inspiring because she was pretty big in the online space and I just felt like I did those interviews kind of back to back and it really gave me this like it was like a wind in my sail, like as if I had been like out in the ocean, just needing something to kind of like pick me up to carry me home. And another yoga teacher that I got to interview in season one that was really, really intimidating, but also really awesome was Jules Mitchell. And since then, I've had the opportunity to interview her a second time. And I've also done an in-person training with her. And I remember hopping on the call with her. She'd been a recommendation through a friend. I had checked her out and I was like, man, she's so badass. Then she said yes. And I, I remember hopping on and being so intimidated by her just because she's so, so incredibly smart. And the work that she does is just incredible. I've learned so much from her just through trainings, conversations, online courses I've done. If you don't know her work, I would definitely check her out. And I think it's it's sort of like when you're when you're new and you're small, you're kind of like, why is this person talking to me? How can I make sure that this is like a really valuable use of their time? And I think with all three of those interviews that I mentioned, that's definitely how I felt in season 1. But I think that, you know, these interviews also kind of reminded me that all you have to do is ask. Again, it's kind of like that other lesson. Like if you want to teach at a studio, you need to ask. And if you want to have somebody on your podcast, you need to ask. And and don't get me wrong. I have asked lots of people who have not responded or who have politely declined or who have said no. And that's okay. But I've also, you know, asked some people who have said yes. And those conversations are always worth it. Heading into season two, I had another round of, you know, amazing yoga teachers. I think because I had run into a couple of challenging tight spots where I was like, oh crap, it's like three days before I need an interview and I don't have anyone to talk to. I was more strategic about doing more interviews and then balancing them out. So season two, I did a lot more solo episodes. I covered topics like yoga and self-esteem, imposter syndrome, marketing, social media, uh, comparison, that sort of thing. I did a couple of Q&As and I think it's, it was really fun for me 
you know, at that point to be able to kind of figure out who I was as a solo podcaster. So not just as a solo interviewer where my guest does most of the, of the talking, but to actually share my wisdom. And this came from a listener who wrote into me and said, you know, some of my favorite times are when you talk. I really like to hear what you have to say. And I was sort of like, do I have anything good to say? I don't really know. And and I think that this was kind of a highlight for me because it really helped me kind of discover my voice as as a yoga teacher, as a business coach. It was th- at that point that I was like, I think I do have important things to say. And at that point that I was like, you know, I think I could be working with yoga teachers one-on-one. I'd already been doing some coaching for about a year at that point. And I was like, I definitely think that I've got, you know, value and worth. And so that kind of kicked off like a whole other side of my business and, and was definitely a highlight for me. I think going into season three, it's like, where do I even start? I have interviewed so many amazing people from Lauren Reddick to Dr. Ariel Foster to Amber Sears to Jason Crandall. And I just feel like this season has been the season that just keeps on giving. Um, I got to chat with Trina Altman, Diane Bruni, Catherine Bruni Young, so many people, Amy McDonald's, Amber Carnes. Oh gosh, the list goes on. And you know, if you're listening and I'm I'm not listing you, it's not because I didn't enjoy podcasting with you. It's just that, you know, some of these people were like on my sort of bucket list of being able to interview and they either reached out to me or I pitched them on coming on. And it's just really incredible to be able to talk to some people who are making big, big waves in the yoga space. I will say something that I've learned over the last three years is that I feel like I can have an equally powerful and amazing conversation with pretty much anyone. So something that I really like is being able to talk to people who are brand new into the yoga space, people who are really popular in just their community but don't have much of an online following, people who are just happy teaching to a couple of people, and then also being able to talk to people like Amber Sears and Jason Crandall who are making like these massive waves in the yoga space who people know their names. And I think these conversations across the board are are equally as valuable. And so something I've always been intentional about with the podcast is talking to people who are all across the map, not just people who are, you know, popularized on the cover of Yoga Journal. Um, Not that that's a bad thing by any means, but just, just recognizing that there's value to be had out of all different types of conversations. And I think that, you know, podcasting is a highlight of my life and being able to have all these different types of conversations has just been, you know, really incredible. I guess kind of on a bigger scale with highlights, I was featured in a yoga journal article on the top 11 podcasts alongside like yoga girls podcast, which was really, really amazing. Um, one of the studios that I work for, the studio owner congratulated me on it and I had no idea. And so it was really cool to be told that and then to be able to share it around and to have people write in and and congratulate me as well. So yeah, there's been lots of highlights and, and top episodes and that sort of thing over the last three years. And I have, you know, like I said, 13 episodes backlogged. There'll be more interviews coming down the pipeline. And I know that there's going to be tons more learnings and highlights that are going to be made over the coming years. 
And so there have been lots of really, really incredible things with MBOM, but as with everything, I also want to talk about some of the lowlights or areas for improvement that I've had over the last three years. And the first one I've mentioned a couple of times, but just getting to a spot in season one where I had no podcast interviews and I was like, I don't have time to, you know, invite somebody new on because that's a bit of a process. It usually takes like a couple of days to a couple of weeks to get somebody new to kind of commit and and get that done. And so I ended up digging through emails that I had from listeners and from friends and putting together an FAQ episode. And I remember telling my business coach and he's like, Amanda, you're brilliant. And I was like, no, this feels like so hacked together. And he's like, it's not like how it feels on the back end. It's how it looks on the front end. And the important thing is that you didn't miss an episode. I think for me, that was just like, it's time to like wrap up this season. I need to regroup. And at that point, I really think that I didn't know exactly where I was going. I didn't really know if this was going to work. I didn't really know if people were interested. I was like, maybe my topic's too niche. Maybe I'm like the only dorky ass person out there who has any interest in business related to yoga. And I just, yeah, I just felt like really sort of down and confused at that point. But I think one of the biggest things around podcasting, and this goes for anyone who wants to, you know, build something online like a YouTube channel or a podcast or a video series or a course is that when you put it out there, you need to just be consistent with it. You need to just, you need to just keep doing it. And I think that for me, it was really important to just put my head down, do the work, not worry about like what anyone else was doing or what people were saying and just like come back to it feeling really strong. And so that's, that's exactly what I did. I wrapped up the season soon after that. I regrouped. I looked at what I'd learned from the first season. I looked at who I wanted to be on the podcast. I started sending emails out. I started, you know, talking to people. Anytime somebody recommended a guest to me, I would reach out to them. And that's how I connected with a lot of those people for season two. And I think that I really saw that shift when I launched that new season. I think another thing for me that was really important was taking that break. I needed those breaks between season one and season two. It was just something that was really, really important for me to do because I was feeling kind of burnt out by it. It felt like a lot of effort. It felt like a lot of work and it felt different than it does now. And so I think that, you know, if you're doing anything in life and you ever feel like it's becoming too much or it's not becoming enjoyable, step back from it just for a little bit, regroup, look at what you're doing, look at what's working, look at what's not working and then come back even stronger. Or, you know, maybe you don't come back and and that's fine too. I think another low light that kind of comes to mind for me is is a really recent one and that was iTunes taking my podcast down. And that just happened this December, so December 2018. And you see it in my downloads, which is really really unfortunate. It's like December is going strong and then it like goes down. There's basically like no downloads for a week to two weeks and then, you know, January comes back up and it's like boom, back up to like 600 downloads a day. And it's just it's really wacky to look at and I think for me it was it was really frustrating and it was kind of depressing and it was a reminder that a lot of my livelihood is tied up in a massive corporation that really doesn't care about me. And so something I've been thinking about is how to engage people in a way that's not just iTunes. And I think the challenging thing is is that 
the way that podcasts are set up is that my RSS feed, which is basically my little website line that is my entire podcast, so many places that you guys get your podcast, that stuff draws from iTunes. So when iTunes took me down, I got taken off of so many other podcast apps. You could pretty much only find my podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, or directly off of my website. And so I've just been thinking about, you know, how to drive the people who like my podcast to, you know, my website more, how to have them engaging with my social media in my private Facebook community. So it's the type of thing that like, if something happens with iTunes again, there's a way for people to kind of figure out how to listen. Cause I had lots of people who were like, oh, I really want to listen, but just like, let me know when you're back in iTunes. And I was like, there's other ways to listen. So yeah, I think that that is actually probably one of like the most challenging weeks from the perspective of the podcast. And I do a lot of other things. I I freelance, I work for a number of different companies. And so I'm generally pretty busy. On top of that, I was also in Mexico. So I was like, okay, I can focus on other stuff. But then I would come back to my computer and see that little like Apple podcast tab open and I would just be dreading to refresh it or dreading to open my inbox or look on Instagram and have another message of somebody being like, is it a backup? How's it going? Is everything okay? And I'm like, oh God, it's horrible. Um, So yeah, say la vie. It is what it is. I learned some stuff from it. Um, but yeah, if you guys ever see MBOM disappear, <laughs> it's not because I take it down. It's because I'm battling iTunes. So I have made sure that my podcast follows all their rules and regulations, and I'm not going to break any rules or even toe the boundaries with that in the future. I think other than that, Things have been really great. There's definitely been, you know, highs and lows as there is in life. But I think that overall, this podcast has had way more highs than it has lows. Like I said before, you know, it's enabled me to put out, you know, essentially 134 hours of content. It's allowed me to make 124 new yoga teacher friends. It has brought me you know, money, it's brought me community, it's brought me business opportunities. And I think something that that I'll kind of end with before I talk about what's next for the show is that I didn't go into doing MBOM thinking about some big business, which maybe is surprising to you guys since I talk about sales funnels and being strategic and that sort of thing. But I just really went into creating MBOM as a way to learn and grow and understand and provide a resource for other yoga teachers that were also struggling and confused. And the first time somebody was like, hey, I want to like pay for ad space on your podcast. I was like, really? Okay, that's cool. I can do that. And then about a year into it, I started looking at, you know, what are some ways that I can start connecting with people more? So it wasn't even like, how can I make money off these people? It was just like, how can I connect with these people? And one of the things that you guys might not realize about podcasting is that you get to listen to my voice all the time and you get to know me, but I have no idea who you are. So I love when people reach out, send emails. I built my newsletter and my mailing list and started to get to know people on on there, but I still felt like it's kind of this one-sided thing and I really want to know who these people are. And so that's when I decided to create my private Facebook community. So that's been around for 
a year and a half now. It's so half the time of MBOM. And I think that that has been one of the best things that I have ever done outside of creating the podcast. It was looking at like, okay, so all these people are listening to the podcast. Like I see them on Libsyn. I know that they're there, but I don't know who they are. And I really want to be able to serve them better. So it's kind of as if you're like, teaching a yoga class to the masses, but you have no idea who these people who are showing up for your class are. And it's like, well, how can I find out like what they need and what they want if I don't know who they are? And so I created the private Facebook community. I definitely had a little bit of imposter syndrome with syndrome with that because I was a part of so many awesome private Facebook communities. And I was like, am I just another person doing this? Do you know, who am I to do this? Is there even space for this? But Again, another learning that I've had is that if you have the urge to do something, you should just go do it. I think there's value in every single private Facebook community as long as it comes from a place of like, I want to get to know these people and I want to serve these people. You know, what I'm doing in my private Facebook community is different than uh, what other people are doing in theirs. And I think that that leaves room for all of us. It's the same way as other yoga teachers, yoga business coaches, other yoga podcasters. I feel like there's no two podcasts that are the exact same. Therefore, there's space for both of us or all of us. And I really loved being able to create the private Facebook community and then just see it grow and flourish. It has grown a ton over the last year and a half. It's like every single day I go on and there's a bunch of new people who want to come in who just discovered the podcast or just decided to join or heard me on another show or yeah, it's just people coming from all over the place. And it's been awesome being able to understand, you know, what the challenges of being a yoga teacher in all different places around the world and the things that you guys are really, you know, struggling with or that you have questions about. And it's really helped me to kind of gear the podcast in certain directions and to be able to help you guys a little bit better. And so, you know, three years ago, I wasn't thinking business. I guess a year and a half ago, I was thinking community. And then from there, I was thinking, okay, so I have all these people listening. Now I have these people joining the community. And now how can I serve these people even more? And it was kind of at that point that I thought about, you know, there needs to be like a financial side for me. Like I can't just live off of uh, podcast advertisements because unfortunately they don't pay enough to, you know, put a roof over my head and, and feed me and that sort of thing. And so I started looking at one-on-one programs and group programs and offering retreats and creating courses. And that's where, you know, my one-on-one coaching opportunities came from. I started designing a bunch of websites for yoga teachers and then developing Yoga Business Bootcamp, which is now my signature course. It's something that took a long time from the idea phase to the actual launch phase. It's been out for a year now. I launched it last February, so February of 2018. And that's been really cool to get to know people even more. And now we have a private Facebook community for that. And it's just really awesome to be able to connect with people, to understand the needs of people, to build out programs, services, courses, for people and then to be able to see that flourish. And the thing that I love most about it is that the podcast is always going to be this free thing that's there. So I love that I'm able to connect with all these people who are maybe like, yep, you're cool, but I don't really want to buy anything from you or like, yeah, I don't have the money, but I just want to learn. It's like, great, I can serve you too. So 
MBOM has grown in a way that I never expected three years ago. And, you know, I sit here thinking about plans for the future, but I really, really have no idea where I'm going to be in three years. But what I do know that's next over over the next year is more education for me. I'm doing my 300-hour yoga teacher training starting in just a couple of weeks. That's going to go over the next couple of months. And I think that that's going to take my teaching, my knowledge to another level. And I'm super excited to share that with you guys. In terms of the podcast, we are continuing every single week to put out new episodes. There's going to be a ton of awesome guests And I can say that for certain because I've recorded most of those interviews. And to be honest, I don't see a big break coming in the future. Of course, things can change at any point. But at this point, I just want to continue putting out content as long as there's content to be put out. I am continuing to make changes on Yoga Business Bootcamp. I've had eight people go through a beta program and they've provided feedback and I've been working hard on the back end to implement that feedback to look at, you know, if you're going to pay for something, what makes it awesome? How can I make sure that there's like enough value in this that you're like, yeah, a hundred percent, this is worth the money. I am a yoga teacher too. So I also understand that spending a couple of hundred dollars on a course is something that you really need to get value out of. So working on that. I'm continuing to look at how I can create value in the Facebook community. You know, what do you guys need for the Facebook community to be effective and to be resourceful? So continuing to look at that and just continuing to grow my audience and and share around the world. One other thing that I'm super excited about is that I am going to be running a retreat in November of this year in Nosara, Costa Rica uh, with the amazing Megan Farrell from uh, Balance by Megan. Super, super excited to share that with you guys. It is now up on my website. We have a Facebook event for it. So if you are on the newsletter, you're going to get information about this. If you're in the private Facebook community, you also will. But if you are not familiar with any of this stuff and that kind of intrigues you, you can always just shoot me a message, shoot me an email, info at mbomyoga.com. You can find information for everything that I've talked about today in the show notes. There's going to be links and that'll be at mbomyoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Mastering the Business of Yoga and join the private Facebook community at Yoga Business Badasses. So just search that in your Facebook search bar, answer the questions, I'll let you in. And yeah, if you're interested in Yoga Business Bootcamp, it's mbomyoga.com forward slash yoga business bootcamp or yogabusinessbootcamp.teachable.com. So I hope to see you guys in in the group, in my inbox, on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, you know, maybe if you're if you're interested in a course or a retreat, I'd love to see you there as well. Definitely reach out to me. And once again, thank you so, 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 so much from the bottom of my heart for the last three years. I say it with every meaning behind it that if you guys were not listening, if you were not a part of this community, this would not have happened. I am not driven by downloads, but I'm also 100% positive that I would not have made it to 134 episodes if I was not getting anyone to listen. So it's because of you guys that this continues to thrive. And I am so, so grateful for the community that we've created. And I'm excited just to get to know you guys more and to continue to learn more about yoga and yoga teaching and the business side of yoga alongside you in in the coming months and years. So thank you so, so much for listening and I'll see you next week. Namaste.